0: Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk, this is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, we're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well, you can get our podcasts at those locations, and that goes for all of the programming here on Trumpet Radio. The Bible does talk about hell, surely you've heard about hell, the Bible talks about it. If you look up the word hell, you will definitely find it in the Bible, it's in there. And yet, most people don't understand what hell really is. A 2015 Pew Research poll found that 72% of Americans believe in heaven, while 58% believe in hell. So fewer people believe in hell than believe in heaven. And the reason is, in most cases, that people have a hard time understanding how a loving God, a merciful God, could allow people to be tormented forever. That doesn't seem like a very loving and a merciful thing. And so people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that. But the Bible doesn't teach that that will happen, that God will do something like that. That's an idea that man's come up with as he's been deceived by Satan. We need to understand what the Bible really says about the topic of hell. What is hell? Now, people's ideas about hell are typically influenced by what they've heard over the years. You know, they probably saw something when they were younger, and it sort of sticks with them as they grow. There's movies that depict some sort of a hell, or uh, even cartoons, television shows, books, songs. It's, it's It's in just about every phase of this society, something about hell, some reference to it. And so people have a lot of different ideas that are heavily influenced by books, movies, songs, ideas. False religion, of course. It influences people's thinking. And even the religions of this world, they are not in agreement about hell. For example, uh, on July 28, 1999, Pope John Paul II told a general audience, he said, rather than a place, hell indicates the state of those who freely and definitively separate themselves from God. So that's what the Pope said in 1999. But if you go back about 30 years from that, Pope Paul VI, in 1968, he said that those who refuse the love of God are going to the fire that is not extinguished. So again, there's different thoughts about hell, even within certain religions. There's a lot of famous literature also that has shaped people's thinking about hell. You've probably heard of Dante's Inferno. Well, that's that's a very famous piece of literature. And that described three parts, hell, purgatory, and paradise. And when Dante wrote that, his purpose for writing the comedy was to, to ridicule the religious concepts of hell, which were prevalent during his day. But what happened was, his writing it tremendously influenced popular thought and teaching. And so he was writing it as, as a comedy, I guess, a pretty sick one at that. But still, he was writing it to ridicule the religious concepts of hell, and yet people look at that writing and they get some ideas about what they think hell is from that. So again, you can see there's a lot of deception when it comes to this, uh, this topic. Dante wrote his ideas and his concepts based upon the philosophers Plato and Virgil and the prevalent Christian concepts of his day. So again, a lot of it goes back to Plato. It goes back to this educational system. And he was a student of Socrates. And again, a lot of these ideas that are common today go back to that false education system. But in all that we've discussed to this point, you'll notice one glaring omission. We haven't talked about the Bible yet. We've talked about man's ideas, man's concepts, man's writings... But we haven't talked about what the Bible says. And this is what often happens when it comes to religious concepts or religious belief. There's a lot of ideas, but the Bible is not the foundation of most of those. We need to see what the Bible says. What's the truth about hell? And let's understand it clearly. We need to look into the Bible, which is what we're going to do. So if you have a Bible handy and you'd like to get it out, that'd be great. We have a few passages, We could look at this topic, and I think you're going to understand a lot more about hell as we go through this program. Notice Mark 9 and verse 43 to begin with today. Mark 9 and verse 43, Christ here, he says, And if your hand offend you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Now, again, obviously... Christ didn't mean to literally cut off your hands. He was just saying, look, don't use our bodies for sin. You know, don't look at wrong things, don't do wrong things using your hands, your feet, your whatever. Get away from sin. And he's he's saying, look, you know, sometimes you've got to be pretty drastic in getting away from something. But we want to understand the point that he's making here. The Correspondence Course, and this is a free course, it's at thetrumpet.com, and the full title is the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, and it's got some great information on this topic and many topics from your Bible, and sign up for that if you don't have it. It's a, it's a great course, but it notes this. It says, hell is an English word. Hell is an English word. When Mark recorded Christ's words, he wrote them in the Greek language. The Greek word translated hell, which Mark was inspired to write down, is Gehenna. That's G-E-H-E-N-N-A. And since in this verse Christ says the sinner is to go into hell, into the fire, it follows that those who go to Gehenna will receive punishment by fire. So when we read the Bible in English, the thing we have to remember is that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, The New Testament was written in Greek, and so translators had to convert the Hebrew and the Greek to English. Now, in so doing, there is a little bit of a a change in the meaning of words at times, where there's not always a one-to-one equivalent in terms of language, and if you've ever done any translation, you know that there's not always an exact word in the language you're translating to. And so they they had to make some judgments here on how they would translate these words. Now, the English translators use the English word hell when translating several distinct words. So when we read the word hell in English in the Bible, there's several distinct words that they are actually translating. And these words are sheol, that's S-H-E-O-L, that's from the Hebrew, and Hades, H-A-D-E-S, that's from the Greek, Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-O-S, from, that's from the Greek also, and then also from the Greek Gehenna, which we just read about, G-E-H-E-N-N-A. Those are the words. When you read the word hell in English, it could be translating Sheol, Hades, Tartarus, or Gehenna, or Hades, right? So we have to look and see what these words mean. What's the intent of the the words? This is from the correspondence course. It says the Old Testament Hebrew word sheol and the New Testament Greek word hades mean the same thing, simply the grave. These original words have been correctly translated as grave in many places in the Bible. However, these words have also been translated hell. So sometimes when you read the word hell in English, it's referring to the grave. It says the second Greek word, Tartarus, which has also been translated into the English word hell, occurs only once in the New Testament. You'll find that in Second Peter 2 and verse 4. It does not refer to humans, but to the restrained condition of fallen angels or demons. Its meaning translated into English is darkness of the material universe, dark abyss, or prison. All right? There's different meanings here. The Greek word Gehenna is derived from the name of the narrow rocky valley of Hinnom, which lies just outside Jerusalem. It was the place where refuse was burned up. Trash, filth, and dead bodies of animals and despised criminals were thrown into the fires of Gehenna, or the valley of Hinnom. Ordinarily, everything thrown into this valley was destroyed by fire, completely burned up, and therefore Christ used Gehenna to picture the fate of of unrepentant sinners. So that's a lot of information, I understand, but it's something we can can grasp. There are different words that are translated into hell, and so we've got to look and we've got to understand the context to understand what's really being written about. Luke 12 and verse 5, notice this. Luke 12 and verse 5, it says, But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear, Fear him, which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. So again, we see the word hell here. The Course says, if you were to look up the original Greek word, is here translated into the English word hell, you find it is Gehenna. Gehenna, remember, is the place where dead bodies were thrown and destroyed by fire. And so the word hell here is talking about this Gehenna fire. It's not a place of eternal torment. It's a place where things were burned up, and that was the end of them. And if people refuse to obey God after they've known the truth, and God's opened their minds, and they refuse, and they just will not go God's way, God destroys them in fire. They don't sit there eternally and burn. Of course, that's horrific. They burn up, and that's the end of them. That's the word Gehenna. And in this case, it's translated into hell. But notice Acts 2 and verse 31 here, another passage that uses the word hell. It says, He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. So this is talking about, of course, Christ. We know Christ didn't go to hell as the world would view it, so this is talking about something different. The Course says the original Greek word, which is translated into the English word hell, in this verse is Hades. Hades means the grave, right? Christ died. He was in the grave for three days and three nights before Christ was resurrected by the Father. It says Hades means the grave, as its usage in this verse clearly shows. So again, we read... Christ's own words where it's translated into hell, talking about people being thrown into Gehenna fire. And then here, though, it's talking about Christ not being left in hell, but that's a different word. It means the grave. He wasn't left in the grave. So we have to understand the intended meaning of these words. And the fact that they were all translated into hell, it doesn't mean they all have the same meaning. That was a translation decision. And it's actually ended up being quite confusing. But when you go back and you understand the intended meaning of the words, then it becomes clear. It says we can plainly see that the English word hell can have different meanings. It has different meanings. So when we come to the word hell in the New Testament, with the exception of 2 Peter 2 and verse 4, where it's talking again about that restrained condition of demons, we must keep in mind these two vastly different meanings and carefully determine by the context, whether it refers either to destruction by fire or the grave where the dead lie buried. So it'll mean one of those two things in most cases, except for, as mentioned, 2 Peter 2 and verse 4, and that's a different uh, different, uh, situation there with demons. But when it comes to humans, and you see the word hell, well, it's either talking about a Gehenna fire, where people are burned up and that's the end of them, or it's talking about the grave. The grave. Hades. Right? That Greek word where Christ was in the grave. He was in the grave for three days and three nights. And so we understand there's different meanings to that word, hell. It says, whenever you're in doubt about the intended meaning of the word hell in the New Testament, look it up in an exhaustive concordance, such as strong's or young's. And those are readily available. I think most people have those or can get a hold of them pretty quickly. You can look up the original, you know, the intended meaning there. And you can see which Greek word it was translated from, and hence its true meaning. So thankfully, the true uh, words are still there. You can find it in the concordances. And sometimes you have to do a little investigation and a little research, especially if you haven't gone through some of these passages before, or this is a new concept to you, or to remind yourself, because it's easy to forget things. But we want to look up and see what the original words are, so we can understand what's being meant. And... That takes a little work to do that, but it's important to make sure that we understand what the Bible is actually saying. Just because the word hell is written, it can mean different things. It doesn't always mean the same thing, of course. And it does not mean this false concept that man has of people, you know, would be burning forever and being tormented and that. That's man's idea. That's Dante's Inferno, right? That's his thinking influenced by Plato and, and other people, ultimately influenced by Satan. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. So just to remind you again, when you look at the word hell in the Bible, it's going to mean one of several things. It either comes from Sheol in the Hebrew or Hades in the Greek, and that means the same thing. Again, it means the grave. It simply means the grave. We read about that with Christ. Right? He didn't stay in the grave. He didn't stay in hell in that sense, as they, as they translated it. He was resurrected. He wasn't in the grave beyond that three-day and three-night period. But there it's translated as hell, but it means grave. It comes from Hades in the Greek. Then there's that word, Tartarus, and that's, of course, only used one time, Second Peter 2 and verse 4. That's a unique word, and it refers to demons. And their restrained condition—they're going to be restrained—and there's more information on that, of course, in the correspondence course also. But they don't die; they—they they do live forever because they're spirit. But they are going to be restrained. That's a different different word, Tartarus, and that's in Second Peter two and verse four, and uh, they do translate that as hell also. Then there's the Greek word Gehenon, We mentioned that. That's that. That narrow, rocky valley of Hinnom, that's where that word comes from. It lies just outside of Jerusalem. They burned up the garbage, the trash, and people that were really uh, pretty terrible after they had died. And so people understood that. When Christ was talking about that in his day, they knew what he was talking about. That's, that's where people go where it was, you know, again, they were the worst of the criminals. And the, the uh, connection that Christ is drawing there is that, look, if somebody will not repent, and they'll have a chance, everyone has a chance, but if they know God's truth and they absolutely will not repent and they refuse to repent, they go to Gehenna fire. They're burned up, and they cease to live. And that's the point. And so you can see how man has sort of taken these different uh, concepts and thoughts and just sort of mashed them all together and and thrown in some some, uh, just thinking and imagination of their own and come up with a false concept of hell. You have to understand, I have to understand what the words mean in the Bible and do a little bit of digging and see from the context and see from the original words what is intended when you read the word hell in the Bible. It's so easy. Again, it's so easy to just assume because we've seen, you know, some depiction of hell or we heard something about it and kind of think that's what it is. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. We have to really get into the Bible and see see what the intended meanings of these words are. So we can fully understand what God's trying to teach us. We can understand what God wants us to understand about man's potential. And also what happens if man refuses that potential. There is There is a, a real danger there. And of course, God has called people that have known the truth and they've rejected it. And they live in rebellion today. The Bible refers to those people as Laodiceans. They are in danger. There is a real danger there. Christ talked about it. He talked about this Gehenna fire. We read about it in Mark 9. There is an end to life if people refuse to obey God. If people refuse to obey God and they don't get away from sin and they will not repent after they've been shown the truth, Ultimately, there is an end of life, and Christ was very clear on that. So we want to understand what Christ was talking about in Mark 9 when he said, look, there's a fire that shall never be quenched, right? There is a Gehenna fire. We have to understand that. Luke 12, we read that too, where Christ said, look, I'll, I'll tell you who you should fear. <laughs> you should fear God the Father, right? The, the being, the God being that has the power to cast into Gehenna fire if a person just refuses to obey God. So we do have to understand the seriousness of what Christ was saying and not be confused on these these words. You know, man has done a, a really <laughs> great job, if you want to look at it that way, of just confusing things. And of course, Satan's inspired that. Confusing people, confusing their minds when it comes to understanding the truth about what God is offering mankind and also the warnings of the end of life if people refuse to obey God. So it's really important to understand what the Bible means when it uses the word hell. And you can learn a lot more about this by looking at the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. That's a free course. It's a great course. And you can really dig into this topic. And it takes a lot of work to get your mind right on these topics because there's so much confusion in this world. It takes some effort, but it's worth it you can sign up for that uh, course, the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free, and it's at thetrumpet.com. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's strive to more perfectly live by every word of God.